0: Good evening, the night is unending, and this is quietly yours. Welcome back. It's good to hear you again. Tonight, we're bringing you the second in our five-part series, Fragments. This episode continues on from part one, so if you haven't heard that one yet, pause this and go check it out. Welcome back. Glad we're all up to speed. Before we dive into tonight's episode, I want to quickly remind you of Podchaser's Reviews for Good fundraiser, which is currently raising money for the Meals on Wheels America COVID-19 Response Fund. They're donating 25 cents for every single review posted on their site right through to the end of Thursday, April 30th. So if you're listening to this in the present, be sure to head over to podchaser.com once you've finished, search for Quietly Yours, and leave a review letting us know what you think. Finally, if you're enjoying the show, please consider signing up to support us over at patreon.com slash quietlyyours. You can sign up to give as little as a dollar a month, and there's some fun patron-exclusive rewards up for grabs when you do. With all that out of the way, let's dive in. This is part two of Fragments, and it's called... Dylan. I don't know how long I've been here. I don't know if time is even passing. There are days, I think. There are certainly mornings. They always start the same. I'm at the breakfast table, although there isn't any food. There are plates, cups, but there's no food. There never is. The kitchen is pretty large. I wouldn't call it modern. The cupboard doors are old and the floor is covered in linoleum. And The stove is a standalone unit with gas burners encased in green. The table I'm at is in the middle of the room. A small table, but big enough for a family of four. There's a bright light streaming in through the window. It captures and frames the dust floating through the air. I've got a clear view of the sky from here. It's clear. Bright. There are no clouds. And no sun. There never is. I stand. Just as I stand every day. And move towards the window. This is the only time I ever see the house in the daylight, and it's too good an opportunity to miss. I need to see out of that window, to get a good look at my surroundings and see if I can figure out where I am. I need to see it in the daytime, rather than masked by the dark and the fog that descends at night. Every day I think this, and every day I try to find out more, but I never get to that window. It's always the same. I get halfway there, and my legs freeze. There's this strange sound, like a whispered explosion, and and then intense, sudden pain, and I fall to the floor. I can feel the impact as my knees hit the linoleum. It's painful, really painful. But by the time my head hits the ground, I can't feel a thing. Everything goes black and I don't know where I am. There's nothing. For at least a mile, nothing. I've looked through every window in this house most, anyway, and there's just nothing in every direction. The ground out there is covered in grass and it just extends into the distance. There are no walls, no trees, no paving, no gravel, just grass, everywhere, forever, continuing on until it disappears into the fog. I wonder sometimes, is this purgatory? An endless wait in an empty place. But what did I do? What did I do to deserve my spot in a place like this? I wish I knew. I wish I could remember. If I could remember doing something terrible, I'd be able to cope. Or cope better, anyway. Because at least there would be a reason for all of this madness. There would be a reason that I was here. If I could remember that I was a bad person, well... It's better than barely being a person at all. But that's the reality I'm living. I don't know who I was. Who I am. If I still am. Do I still exist? Is this place real? Or does it exist somewhere else? Perhaps I only exist here. In this place. Perhaps I exist for this place. (sighs) I wish I knew. I wish I could remember anything. But I don't even remember my own name. I hear footsteps now, out in the hallway. But they're running, panicked. They always are. Every night. I don't know what they're running towards or running from. I used to wonder, but now I just accept not knowing. This place has this strange way of me. That's new. I've heard a lot of noises in this house. Screaming. Crying. But this is the first time I've heard a word. An actual word. No. Not just a word, a name. And not just any name. There's a familiarity to it. Something inside of me that twitches when I hear it. Is this it? Is this my name? The thing I've been searching for this whole time? The corner piece of this cruel puzzle? (sighs) Dylan. And then my mind wanders to the next question. Why does this place know my name? And why does it want me to remember? I try the doors again. I've tried them before. Many times. But I've never been able to get out. Now, though, I have hope. For so long, nothing has changed. It's been the same thing on repeat every day for as long as I can remember. But now, things are different. Something has changed. And maybe that means other parts of the house can change too. So I try all the doors again. I don't know what I'll do, or where I'll go if I do find a way out. I don't know what's out there, beyond that fog. But I have to do something. I have to try. There are six doors to the outside, by my last count, although it's always changing. Sometimes there are less. I'll go to a place that I've been before, where I've seen a door, and it just won't be there. The house seems to do that, to shift and change. Things move around, and nothing's ever perfectly the same day to day. But today, I'm able to find all six doors, and my hopes are quickly broken. They're the same as always, closed and locked, with their doorknobs removed. No way out. I try opening them anyway, I try prying at them with my fingers, I try kicking, I try my entire body weight against them. But nothing will move them and I remain trapped. And then I hear it again at the top of the stairs, those quick, worried footsteps moving down the hall. Her steps begin to descend the stairs, right in front of me, although there's no one there. And then, as she approaches, her footsteps begin to fade, and they're gone, just as quickly as they came. Who is she, this disembodied voice? And what does she want with me? There has to be a way out of this. There has to be. I hurry up the stairs and down the hall to what I think is the study. It's got the biggest window in the house, a huge single pane of glass overlooking the never-ending lawn. If I can't get out through the doors then, desperate measures, this has to work. It just has to. How dangerous this is, I... I don't really know. Could this fall kill me? It's not too far. Might break a few bones. But does anything I think I know really hold up here? Can I break a bone here? Can I die here? Ah, <sighs> Too much thinking. My brain tangles itself up sometimes like a pulsing ball of yarn. It's time to snap out of it and take action. So I run. I run as fast and as hard as I can, directly at the glass. I run. To my complete surprise, it works. I hit the glass, hard, and I feel it shatter against my weight, broken into a thousand pieces, and then I'm weightless falling through the air, surrounded by sharp, glittering snowflakes. I seem to fall for longer than I thought possible, and then there's a thud, and I'm submerged, submerged in dark water. I kick, and I swim, the best that I can, but it does no good. I can't even tell which way is up, and there's nothing but inky black darkness all around me, and I'm floating, lost among it. I hold my breath for as long as I can, but eventually, I have to let go. I feel the cold water enter my lungs, chilling every part of me. And my body continues to fight, but it's no use. The darkness takes me, and my body goes still. When I wake, I'm in bed, and she's next to me as always, sitting there, in her old blue dress and her duck apron, silently singing while dark blood leaks out of her. I try to move, but I can't. Is she doing this to me? Is she the cause of this torture? How do I make her stop? I tense every muscle in my body, or I try, anyway, and my fingers curl up into a tight fist. But no matter how hard I try, how hard I focus, my arm will not move. I want to scream. I need to scream. I try to scream. I wonder if there are stars. I can't see them, of course. Because the sky is always coated in clouds. But could there be stars behind that grey blanket? There were stars before. In the town. I would feel better if there were stars. I don't know why. It wouldn't help me who wouldn't get me out of here, wouldn't show me how to escape or where to run. But there's something comforting about stars, nonetheless. They're always there, even when you can't see them. The ultimate constant, a pinprick map of the universe, a sign of life. Maybe not a sign of intelligent life, but of the inherent life of the universe. The shimmering of photons, the clicking of electrons and quarks as they're pulled apart and thrown together. Creating planets. Destroying stars. Never still. And then, maybe, Somewhere out there, there is someone. Someone from a different place, in a different time. Staring up at the speckled transcript of a pulsating galaxy and wondering... Is anyone looking back? Yes. I think I would like it if there were stars up there. I'm in the study again, staring at that window. Am I crazy, putting myself through this again? How many times do I have to try this before I give up and admit that it won't work? I don't know exactly, but it's not now, because now there's still hope. There's still hope because I've decided there's still hope. So I run. As fast as I can, towards the glass, and once again it shatters on impact, and I'm falling through the darkness. Before I pass through the surface of the water with a horrendous, painful impact. And I swim. I swim as fast, as hard as I can. I don't know if the direction I'm traveling is up. It feels like up. I can't be sure. But I swim there anyway. And after a few moments, still flanked on all sides by slippery darkness it's too much and i can't go on it's like a hundred tiny daggers in my chest as the ice water fills my lungs but the pain doesn't last long i'm soon gone clench my fist. I can do that now. She's singing again. But I close my eyes. I can't bear to look at her. She makes no sound. And when I close my eyes, I can pretend that she's not even there. But there is a sound now. Not from the woman, But from somewhere else in the house. I've heard it before. It's the quiet crying of a child. It sounds different though, this time. More desperate. I struggle. Against what? I don't know. My own body, maybe. Every ounce of strength I have is concentrated on my fist and finally my forearm moves. The crying is growing louder now. Louder and more distressed. What started as a sob is quickly becoming a scream. With a big push, I'm able to move my body and roll onto my side. It's something. I push again and I roll off the bed, crashing to the floor with a painful bang. I try to stand, but I can't. I try to crawl. But I can't. Lying there on the floor, I push myself forwards with my legs, twisting and rolling across the floor like a worm. Finally, I reach the door, and I reach out. I'm surprised and relieved when my hand grabs hold of a door handle. The cries are deafening now. A loud shriek. I pull myself up by the handle, open the door, and lurch into the hallway. I can walk now, more or less. I drunk an amble, but at least I can move. I hurry down the hallway as fast as I can. Following the sound. It leads me to a door at the end of the hall. It's the bathroom, I think. I push the door open and hurry inside but I'm not prepared for what I find. The bathtub is full and overflowing. Lying in it, beneath the surface of the water, is a small boy, naked and blue, still and lifeless. The water is ice cold when I reach inside to fish him out. I pull him over the edge, and we both fall to the floor. There's no movement, no breathing. I pump on his chest in futile attempts, and with each jolt of his little body, water spills out of his mouth. No signs of life return, and his skin remains cold. I open my mouth to scream, but all that comes out is water. Gallons of it, gushing out of my mouth, mixing with my tears and flowing down my body onto the tiles, spreading across the floor. The room begins to fill, and as the water level rises, the boy's body is submerged once more. It isn't long before it swallows me, too, and I'm pulled beneath the surface. I struggle. I swim. I fight. At first. But there's nothing I can do. The room fills up in seconds, and I drown in my own screams. When I wake, I'm in bed again she's there, she's always there, I don't struggle against the paralysis, I just lie there staring up at the ceiling, I remember now, I remember, it was winter, the big lake behind the house was frozen over, He knew better than to play on it, he'd been told a million times, we warned him, we told him how dangerous it was. I should have known he wouldn't listen. I should have never taken my eyes off of him, not for a single second. And that's all it was. A second. I turned my back for a second and when I looked back, he was gone. I looked around, but I couldn't see where he'd run off to. And then I heard a loud crack, and I spun around to face the lake. There was a large hole, a couple of dozen feet from the shore, where the ice had shattered, and I knew right away. I dove in, Without a second's hesitation, I scooped him out as quickly as I could, but it was already too late. By the time I pulled him out to solid ground, he was already gone. I felt for a pulse. Nothing. I don't know if it was the water, or just the cold. I must have stayed there for 10 minutes, pumping on his chest, hoping for a breath, a gasp, a cough, anything. But there was no sound. There was nothing. He was heavy when I picked him up, weighed down by his clothes, soaked through with ice water. I reached the house, and I collapsed at the bottom of the stairs with his body still in my arms. Dylan! I'd never heard her sound like that before. I suppose there was still some flicker of hope somewhere inside of me. But it was extinguished for good at the hospital. He was pronounced dead half an hour after the accident had happened. And that was it. He was gone. Everything changed in the space of half an hour. Suddenly, there was no Dylan. Just a body. There would be no giggling laughter. Just a memory. Dylan's room, not anymore. Just an empty room in a quiet house. I remember sitting there. On that hospital bench. Thinking about his bed. I had made it myself that morning. Erased it of any sign that he'd ever been there. And now he never would. But he should be there right now wrapped up warm instead of freezing from the inside out on a cold metal table. The thought turned my stomach and my hand reached out for support and... and then it... and then it all goes blank. That's where the memory ends. Why would the house remind me of this? It's so cruel. Is the... Is this my penance? Am I being punished? Trapped in a hell of my own making because I wasn't able to save him? My ability to move has returned. And I turn my head and look at the woman beside me. I realise that for the first time she isn't singing. She just sits there, motionless, looking at me. I'm sure she's looking at me, and then she moves. For the first time, she moves. She lifts her arm and reaches out and takes my hand in hers. It's warm, she squeezes gently as though in comfort. Will I ever find a way out? Everything is blurred here, like looking through frosted glass. Every thought is clouded, every emotion dulled. But for the first time, I'm scared completely and uncontrollably terrified. I take a deep breath and I squeeze back. If you hated tonight's episode and you're about to send us hate mail, pause for a second and put down your pen. Head over to podchaser.com and channel your vitriol into a review instead. As I said, every review through to Thursday, April 30th will result in a 25-cent donation to Meals on Wheels America to help ease the burden of COVID-19 on senior citizens across the country. Now we know a little more about our nameless protagonist, I hope you'll join us for part three, where we'll be diving much deeper into his past. Until then, I am quietly yours, and you are quietly mine.